Tell me about your Christmas. How was it? Oh man, it was great. We had the holly. We had the the jingle bells and the reindeers. Yep, it was uh, like a movie. Yeah, it was oh. like like a Hallmark movie. Well, first tell me about your Thanksgiving. How was that? <laughs> oh my gosh, so much food. There's turkey <laughs> stuffing, cranberry sauce. I got stuffed. Oh, and remember all those memories we made at Friendsgiving? Ah, uh, so that memories. was great. Yeah. Bro, I'm telling you, in three days, we're going to have so much fun. No, we already had fun. <laughs> we had fun over a month ago. <laughs> so today, we are recording three episodes in a row, one Christmas episode. Now, this is going to be released after Christmas. <laughs> so we do hope you had an amazing Christmas. We have yet to experience either of those holidays. <laughs> Ever. But, <laughs> Ever in my life. But we do hope you had a fantastic Christmas, a Christ-centered Christmas, and... That you fellowshiped with tons of people. Right? Don't miss Christ. Or, well, you already... Yeah, but don't miss Christ in Christmas. Next Christmas, it's don't miss It's not happy him. Xmas. It's not happy... Um, whatever the other ones are. Hanukkah. <laughs> 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 but coming up is Happy New Year. Can you believe that? It's going to be yeah. 2022. Yeah. I remember when it was 2020. And Me it, too. It was long. Yeah. Bro, I remember when it was the year 2000, everybody thought the world was going to end and everybody was wearing like these unique hats. My parents was loading up on Vienna sausages. (laughs) (laughs) That's no surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Vienna sausages and canned beans, right? Yeah, yeah. Ponchos. Do you remember the 2000 hats? Because the Mayan calendar ended, right? No, that was 2012. That was 2012? Yeah, Yeah, it's because like the computer databases didn't go past. They didn't know what was going to happen. They thought like the economy was going to shut down, essentially. Hey, guys, hold on. Hello. The economy's not shutting down? (laughs) It's We're 21 years after the fact? Yeah, bro, I remember everybody with those hats on. What were the hats? Yeah, I don't know. Y2K hats. Or Y2 something. I don't remember. Yeah, and then during the my the Mayan calendar thing, everybody had those end of the world hats on too, t shirts and stuff. I don't remember. I was actually in Mexico uh, around 2012, and uh, there was like people on the street selling a bunch of like little like Mayan calendar souvenirs. Oh yeah, yeah. What what would be something that would just scare you to the point where you thought the world was ending? Like let's say you looked outside and you're like, whoa. The world has to be ending. What would be something that you would love to look at? Something I would love to look at? I mean, love to not look at because the world was ending. I would love to not look at. <laughs> I would just see like a, a tsunami heading your way in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, know, you can see it coming, but it's so far away. Bro, you live near the sea? No. <laughs> There's a tsunami coming right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the tsunami would be a 4,400-pound fish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I can. Can you really? There you go. I'll hit it for you. A 4,400-pound fish? Bible dingers ding or no ding. I ruined your transition? You did. Or you ruined your transition? Because you don't structure the soundboard correctly. Because you anyway, don't ding have or no ding. My name is Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark, and we are Bible Dinger. And we start each and every episode with ding or no ding, where I come up with a headline, and Ryan and Mark have to decide whether it is ding, real, 
or fake no ding. So, talking about the tsunami and the end of the world, if you saw a 4,400-pound fish, what would you think? Fishermen's caught a 4,400-pound sunfish. Sunfish. Oh, now that changes things, yeah. Because people catch whales. Whales are clearly 4,400 pounds at least. 4,400 pounds. Are sunfish, sunfish. Are, aren't they like lake? Aren't I don't they know in the lake? It, I don't know what a sunfish is. I thought it was like a sunny. Is that what they call sunnies? I'm thinking if it is true, they caught a dinosaur. Um, You're not helping. Yeah, I don't think anybody caught any dinosaurs. If that's what we're guessing, then no, that didn't happen. <laughs> but I think somebody def... Oh, I mean, I have my answer. That was close. Do you have your answer? Yes. <laughs> By tooting or not tooting? <laughs> that is the question. What is the answer? Tooting or not tooting? That, like that is the question. What? What is the, the answer? Ding. Ding. Oh! No. <laughs> yes. That is Ding. Fishermen have caught a mini dinosaur. Fishers recently hauled up a surprising catch off the coast of North America. A colossal ocean sunfish weighing in at an incredible 4,400 pounds. Yowza. At least that's how heavy marine biologists estimated the mammoth fish to be based on its girth and the dimensions of some fish that had previously been captured and weighed. We tried to put it on the scale, but it was too heavy. (laughs) It would have broken it. Imagine being that fisherman. Yeah. Can you imagine having that? <laughs> being that heavy. <laughs> Can you imagine having that fish on your wall? Yeah. Remember those old talking fish? The singing fishes ones? That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine pressing a button on that bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need some heavy duty screws to hold up that. Uh, the screws? Yeah. <laughs> Just screws. to hold up that fish on you your need wall. Some rebar and reinforcement. You, you would need, you would literally yeah. need iron beams across your wall. Yeah, that's true. All right, all right. So we are on the book of one Thessalonians, aka First Thessalonians. You know why it's called First Thessalonians? Because it's not second. I'm gonna tell you why. We are going to go over the turtle of the book, also known as the title of the book by young scholars such as you and me. Mm. We call it the turtle of the book. So in the original Greek New Testament, the title is to the the Thessalonians. I messed that up, didn't I? To? (laughs) (laughs) It is chronologically the first letter written to the Thessalonians, which is why we call it First Thessalonians. Now, that's one school of thought 
of where the title came from. The other school of thought is when the recipients of this letter received it, um, they said, that's a good letter. That's a really good letter right there. It's and so they that's named, a good letter. Yeah. We need a second one. Yeah. So that's another school of thought where people think the title came from is that when people said that's a good letter right there. <laughs> yeah. Next, it is time for who wrote this. That's a good question. The author is not really highly debated. Um, the book self proclaims Pauline authorship in a couple different places. Uh, the first place is chapter one, verse one. The second place is chapter two, verse 18. He also mentions his close companions, Timothy and Silas, while speaking in personal plural pronouns, such as we, us, and our. These are, as you know, Paul's preferred pronouns when he writes we, us, and ours. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe you wrote that. Another, what? <laughs> that That's true. That That is true that he wrote in the personal plural pronouns, we, us, and our. And he mentioned his close companions, Timothy and Silas. So, so I'm he, saying that, that... He added his pronouns to his social that, media page, you think? No, I, yeah, maybe. But I'm saying that this is how we know that this is a support for yeah, Paul, Paul writing it. Doulos of Christ. We, us, <laughs> our. <laughs> okay, so I hope you got that, that piece of supporting evidence because it's a good one. The second one is that the letter perfectly correlates with his travels that are noted in Acts chapter 16 through 18. Also, there's many intimate details about Paul and his life in this book. And finally, Paul's authorship was verified by many early church leaders as early as 140 AD in Marcion's canon. Marcion Mission. Where he sa- he looked at this letter and he was like, that's a letter from Paul right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a letter from Paul. He keep driving that one home, huh? Yeah. Next question is... Yo, 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 when this was written... <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to distinguish <laughs> the soundbite laughs from the real ones. <laughs> Date of authorship. So in Acts 17 and 18 and in 1 Thessalonians itself, there are references to Paul staying in Corinth while writing this letter. Also, Acts 17 notes his trip to Thessalonica, and Acts 18 describes his trip to Corinth. In Acts 18, it mentions that his trip to Corinth was during the time Galileo was a proconsul, a Roman governor or commander of a province. Also, archaeology tells us that Galileo was proconsul of the area from 51 to 52 AD. How do we know that? Because there's an inscription in the Temple of Apollos at Delphi, near Corinth, that dates his service. Mm. They went to dinner together. Oh, they went on a date. That places the writing of 1 Thessalonians between 51 and 52 AD, which means that 1 Thessalonians is likely Paul's second letter, chronologically, Hmm. coming after Galatians. Very interesting. That's an interesting point. And we will get into the historical context next. We definitely need a soundbite for that. That's a? Oh, historical context. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. History. What what what, what song is you that? You want a song? Yeah, what, what song is that? History. I have no nah, idea. Nah, nah, nah. It's a bunch of kids singing about history. I have no clue. No. Not even a slight. Uh, you just made that up right now. Yeah. History. Reading Rainbow. Oh, wait a minute. 
Come on, guys. Come on, listener. Help me out here. Reading me and history. Is that reading rainbow? Wow, 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 wow. Reading rainbow. No, no, no. You're messing me up here, bro. All right. Well, either way. You, it kind of sounds familiar, though. Yeah, it does. It starts to. <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> that's really ringing a bell there. Next is the historical context. So the first thing you need to know is about the city of Thessalonica. So Thessalonica, also known as Thessaloniki, was a large hey. port town of the Gulf of Thessalonica in the Aegean Sea. It was the capital of the province of Macedonia, and it had around 200,000 people in Paul's day and was an important city on the trade route between Athens and the Roman province of Asia, which, as you, a loyal Bible Dingers listener, know is modern-day Turkey. Dinger Nation. As well as actual Eastern Asia, which is what we call Asia, even though Turkey is partially in Asia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or is it in Europe? Yes. Or is it the Middle East? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So, more about Thessalonica. It was a beautiful city right next to the water and surrounded by cliffs. On some of the higher elevation streets, you would get a good view of Mount Olympus, which is where it was said that Zeus met with other Greek gods, such as myself. All right, so that's Thessalonica. Next is the Thessalonian church. Paul visited Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. Whenever Paul would go to a new city, he would head right for the synagogue to preach. In Thessalonica, people were generally open and interested in different religions. That meant there were actually a good amount of Gentiles at the synagogue as well as Jews. Acts 17 tells us that some Jews, several Gentile Greeks, and the wives of some prominent Thessalonian citizens converted after Paul's preaching the gospel at the synagogue. This is the group that started the Thessalonian church. So we're actually unsure of exactly how long Paul stayed in Thessalonica, but it could be anywhere from a few weeks to several months. In that period of time, he gave a lot of instruction to the Thessalonian church. So they had a broad and deep understanding of doctrine and the gospel. Paul was run out of town, though, by a group of Jewish people that were opposed to his teaching by appealing to their local government that Paul was inciting unrest in the city. So the the, the local government basically said that Paul has to leave. And then down the road a bit, Paul sent Timothy to check on the church in Thessalonica after he was kicked out. Timothy went and then rejoined Paul later in Corinth with encouraging news, which was that they were doing well and that they missed Paul, essentially. And that led to Paul's writing of 1 Thessalonians. And we see support for this in Acts 18 and 1 Thessalonians 3. So the Thessalonian church was doing well, even though they were enduring persecution from the same people who ran Paul out of town. And that's essentially why um, 1 Thessalonians was written. That's the historical context and background to the book. Next, it is time for the general purpose of the book. Yeah. So this book is a bit unique. There is a load of different topics throughout the book, as it is sort of a general letter to a church. Because of that, there doesn't necessarily seem to be a singular overarching purpose as there is with many other epistles. There are pretty clear-cut sections of this letter, 
with their own purposes. So we'll go through a few of those. So in chapter 1, verses 2 through 10, we'll see that the purpose was to encourage the church. Then in chapter 2, we have several purposes, starting in verse 1 through um, even chapter 3 through 13. That's to answer false allegations, to comfort the persecuted church, and to express joy in their faith. Then opening up uh, chapter 4, we see to remind them of the importance of moral purity. And also in chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, we see to condemn laziness and to clarify prophetic events. Then in chapter 5, verses 12 through 22, to bring peace and to exhort in the basics of Christian living. Next up is our favorite part of the show. I don't really know if it is or not, but I love saying that because it's a drum roll. Fun facts. Yeah. Paul seems to be a city guy. He liked to travel to the big cosmopolitan cities and preach there. Corinth, Thessalonica, Ephesus, Philippi, these were all cultural centers of their respective areas. They were like the New York or L.A. of their time and area. Also, Thessalonica is actually still in existence today, and it is actually the second largest city in Greece, now referred to as Thessaloniki or Saloniki. And it has over a million people in its metro area. Although this is pretty large for Greece, a comparable city in the U.S. is Fresno, California, or Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our metro area of New York is about 19 million people. Hmm. So that tells you what it looks like in comparison. How you doing? When Paul was chased out of Thessalonica, he went to Berea. The people who ran him out of Thessalonica tracked him down there and convinced the Jewish people in Berea to run him out of that area as well. It's pretty unfortunate. Why it says lol at the end. Yeah, I put lol, sorry. Lol. Lots of love. Because it's kind of funny because they kicked him out of their city and they found out where he went and then they like convinced those people to kick him out of your city too. (laughs) It's pretty messed up. Yeah. All right. It's outline time. So there are one, two, three, four. Four, four. Four. Four, four. 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 Sections of this book. Sorry, I'm just laughing because I see some notes that are funny. What's it there for? Um, there are four sections of, of this book. It's a shorter book, so uh, this is not going to be much of your time, I don't think. First section is one single verse. And that is the salutation and greeting, chapter 1, verse 1. Next, we get into the personal commendations and explanations. This is chapter 1, verse 2, through chapter 3, verse 13. And Nick sort of uh, gave a general overview, honestly, when he was going through the purpose, because there are potentially nine purposes of uh, First Thessalonians. Uh, but we'll dive a little bit deeper into that here. Starts with the thanksgiving for the Thessalonians in, in verses 2 through 10 of chapter 1. And we get into that with the summary statement in verses 2 and 3, where Paul is essentially saying that he is constantly thanking God for the Thessalonian church. Did you get that itch on your neck? And we thank God for you. <laughs> 
Um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, next Thanksgiving, you know, of course. Next year. In, in the new year. But all throughout the year, we will still remain thankful for constantly. you. Yeah. We constantly thank God for you. Constantly. I do it all day long. I thank God for you. Thank yeah. You. There's thank specific you. reasons, thank too. You. Yeah. The specific reasons why Paul was thanking God for the Thessalonians is in verses 4 through 10. And it's because they received the gospel with joy from the Holy Spirit and became people who were steadfast in love and hope. So that is why Paul was thanking God for them. Next, we get some reminders for the Thessalonians in chapter 2, the first half of chapter 2. The first reminder is how the gospel was delivered in verses 1 through 12. And they were delivered. I am delivered. To the Thessalonians. (laughs) I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, So Paul and the other apostles had persevered through suffering. Um, and even though that was going on, they still taught the Thessalonians the gospel gently and graciously, is what he's saying in this first part. And then the other reminder is how the gospel was received. And so the Thessalonians received that word knowing that it was from God and not from man. That is in verses 13 and six, 13 through 16 of chapter 2. Next is a section where Paul talks about con- some concerns that he has for the Thessalonians. And that's the end of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3. His first concern uh, is that he wants to see them again badly, but they've been hindered, is what he said. He says this um, because he was concerned about their afflictions and persecution uh, that they were going through in Thessalonica. So he sent Timothy to check on them, and that is... uh, the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. And then the end of chapter 3, he talks about his joy that he received from hearing about them. So because he sent Timothy to check on them through their persecutions and affliction, Timothy then returned to Paul with good news about their faith and love and their longing to see Paul. So he was concerned about their, their suffering, sent Timothy to go see them. Timothy comes back with good news. All right, next up is practical instructions and exhortations. And uh, that is chapter 4 into chapter 5. And uh, basically, in the beginning of chapter 4, it describes Christian living. And that's broken up into three parts. Continued growth, sexual purity, and brotherly love. In continued growth part in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul urges the Thessalonians to continue growing in Christ and to please God in their life more and more. In sexual purity section of this chapter, verses 3 through 8, it is God's will for them to live holy lives and refrain from sexual immorality. Third is the brotherly love section of this chapter in verse 9 through 12. Basically, love your bros, and I love you guys. Yeah, I love you too. I love you I guys. I love you guys, too. And uh, I love the listeners. Oh, my listeners are my bros. And I'm thankful for them. Yep. This section goes out to all the people that we love. All our bros in different area codes. Love you. Love them. Love everyone. Love wins. What the, what's a female bro? Love, love wins. Then in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, we have a second section of this chapter, and that is titled The Second Coming. Just as chapter 4, verse 1 through 8, and chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 were intended as a means by which Paul's call on them was for holiness and love, so 
Here in chapter 4, verse 13 through 18 is meant to strengthen their hearts in faith and hope until Christ comes again. But then he starts talking about personal watchfulness again. Um, And you'll see that in our previous episode, this is something that Paul has spoken about before. In chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, he's talking about it again, personal watchfulness. After highlighting that Christians are to encourage one another because of the hope of resurrection and eternal life with God, we hear about that in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, Paul moves to the related question of whether or not we can pinpoint the precise time Christ will return to conclude history and raise the dead. His answer is clear. Paul does not need to write them about the precise timing of Christ's final coming, for they themselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And this is uh, this is an idea, not an idea, a fact that we see all throughout Scripture, not just here, that no one knows that day or time. We see that in Matthew. Um, we see that in chapter 5. Uh, in this book, we see that scattered throughout Scripture. No one knows the time. So basically, he's telling them the same thing he told them before, to be watchful of your life. Don't worry about that specific time that you're waiting for, but just make sure that you're ready for it. Next up, we see church life in chapter 5, verse 12 through 15, attitudes towards leaders and relationships among themselves. The attitude towards leaders in chapter 5, verse 12 to 13, is basically to respect them. Nothing out of the ordinary here. And then verse 14 through 15, encourage one another and have patience. If I remembered, chapter 5, verse 12 says, um, put some respect on your leader's name, right? Yeah, put so respect, respect on the respect name. On, uh, put the respect the on the name. Your leaders. Respect on that name. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the individual behavior section in verses 16 through 24 of chapter 5, this is split up into three parts. Personal actions and attitudes, actions and attitudes in corporate living, and divine enablement. In the personal actions and attitudes section in verse 16 through 18, he's just telling them rejoice only, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, and that this is the will of God for them. And a fun fact about this is I have that exact verse on my kitchen wall. The pray without ceasing? Yeah. Do you think it's on your kitchen wall because you want to pray without ceasing while you're making a Caesar salad? Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love Caesar salads, but I'm not allowed to eat them oh, on my diet. So, I see. yeah, but I would still love to rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Without Caesaring. Without Caesaring. Yes. Mm-hmm. And give thanks in all circumstances like this. And I give thanks to you, listener. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> It's not even that funny. That's why it's so funny. Next up is actions and attitudes in corporate living in verse 19 through 22. Abstain from what is evil. Test everything you hear against scripture. So this this is something that I'm studying, too. This is kind of summing up what sola scriptura is. You're trying to abstain from evil. And I'm really um, studying it deeply. And basically, Sola Scripture is the Bible's the final authority for anything that you study. If you're studying something, like a commentary 
or an article, whatever. If it aligns with scripture, study it. If it doesn't, avoid it. All right. Next is the divine enablement. In chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So I, there was no other way to sum that up except to read the beautiful words. And here, lastly, in verse 25 through 28, is Paul's conclusion He says goodbye, and so do I. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye-bye. All right, so you guys made it through your first letter to the Thessalonians. And let me tell you, that's a good letter, but if you liked it, that's a better letter. Well, it's not better. They're all inspired, but that's a good letter coming up, too. Second Thessalonians. And it was so good they had to write it again. Yeah. The, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Where you get two times the the, the Thessa jokes. Yes. So tune in. Oh boy. Tune this in. a like a part two. Yeah. So make a Bolonian cheese a Thessalonian <laughs> cheese sandwich. I can't. You're not making any <laughs> All right, so if you liked what you heard today, which you clearly didn't at this point, um, you probably have already stopped this episode um, a long time ago. But if for some reason you're still here, um, we have other content available to you. We have blog posts. We have videos, the 2B videos. Um, All our links to all our stuff is on BibleDingers.com where you can easily navigate to all of our content. And if you enjoyed it so much that you would like to support our ministry, we are 100% patron-supported ministry at this point. And uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can join... Nation. Get access to episodes a week before everybody else. Uh, we drop our outlines on there. We have group chats with our patrons where we talk pretty much every day all day uh so so go ahead and, and yeah. check us out on patreon do you know that 2b is actually its own 2b t-u-b-i oh yeah yeah oh yeah we're not on 2b we're, we're not on, on 2b we're, we're on, on youtube yeah we're on youtube youtube sorry <laughs> anyway if you enjoy that episode and if you enjoyed our uh, website or whatever else that you ran into Make sure you go on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and search at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there, just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Hit subscribe, hit follow, hit like, and most importantly, ding on. Bible Dingers. Ready as a Viking. I take my place, I stay my ground. I was planted in my Nikes. Selling CDs at my 7 Eleven. My passion was ignited. God told me to wait. Still, I carry all my weight. You might just catch me treading lightly. Uh, pulling back the curtains on episodes. They trying to see. God told me to.